Welcome to church. For those of you that maybe joined us during the time of worship, it is wonderful to have you with us. We are actually tackling part two of our series on Sabbath that we've entitled 24-6. And we're kind of wanting to go straight into the message deliberately because I honestly believe that this is part of our worship. This is part of our response to God that we actually recognize the gift that He has given us. And, and that we actually steward that well. Some of your parents or, or, or maybe you know what it is to be a friend and to give someone a gift. So, so either way, right? You know what it is to actually uh, want to bless somebody and you put time and effort and thought and in most cases a bit of money into actually uh, being able to, like you wanna bless somebody, right? I know that there are times where you don't want to. It's just token. It's expected. You know, culture demands that you do. Okay, sure. There are those token moments. But there are other moments where you really want to put effort in to to blessing that person, to actually giving them an idea, like an indication of just how much you love them, right? Anyone ever think of moments like that? Or are you stingy? It's a bit of pressure to put your hand up, eh? Okay, so so we know what it's like to actually have to put that, that effort and that cost in. Doesn't it make you feel great when you know that that person has been blessed, when they've actually received that gift and they're grateful for that gift and, and, and it actually adds value to their lives in some way, even if it's just sheer delight, even if it's just a sheer spoil, like it's okay for it just to be a blessing. Well, I honestly think that that's God's attitude towards us when it comes to the Sabbath. Now, depending on your, your reference point and how you were brought up, uh, certainly for me, Anytime I heard any mention of it, which was never in church, ironically, but anytime I ever heard any mention of it, um, I kind of always got this impression that it's all about what you can't do. Like it's about how not to have fun, how you not to do anything that you enjoy. Almost like the subconscious sense of, like if I make life really boring enough and dry enough and diminished enough, like maybe somehow God is honored. And, and I just want to emphasize that that is such a misunderstanding around Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift. It is a gift of rest. It is, it is a gift to actually stop all the striving and the wanting and the working and the worrying and to just delight, to, to be secure, to find our identity in the one who loves us, not in what we're able to produce or how we're able to perform or what we're able to consume. I honestly believe that it is a gift that God has given to us every week, a 24-hour block where He wants us to just be, to enjoy, to, to not only rest, but to refresh, to, to enjoy the relationships in our lives, to enjoy our bodies, whether, whether you're going for a walk or whether you're going for, for a sleep. There's actually a word, there's a Yiddish word for a Sabbath nap. It's called schluff. Like you're allowed to schluff. Isn't that a great word? Like, like next time, you know, you, and obviously this is, this is assuming that the kids are gonna stay alive and all the rest. So, so depending on your stage of life, this, this matters. But, but like you're allowed to schluff on the Sabbath, like just nap. It's for free. You don't have to have earned it or proven anything. Like you're allowed to just rest. And relax. We have such a, I think, I think that I think that we have a very skewed, a lot of the time, many of us, a very skewed view of the world and what life is meant to be like and what God's heart is behind us. I heard a, 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 a version recently by another pastor who I enjoy tremendously. His name's Chris Hodges. Some of you have watched, we've shown you some of his 
messages and he was explaining kind of a, a, a slightly different version to the creation story that many of us are familiar with just a little while ago um, and he talks about how he explains how on the first day God created the dog and he says to the dog you uh, are going to have 20 years to pretty much sit around and bark at people right and the dog's like that doesn't sound like a lot of fun for 20 years so can we make it 10 years and like I'll give you 10 years back so God's like cool you can have 10 years then on the second day, he creates the monkey. And he says to the monkey, you're gonna perform tricks and entertain people and, and basically just you know, be, be in a little bit of a circus type vibe for 20 years. And again, he's like, that sounds like a long time to be entertaining people and to be having to like perform and, and keep everyone stimulated. So, so can I do what the dog did and give you back 10 years and just live for 10? And the Lord's like, okay, no problem. On the third day, he creates the cow and explains to him that he's gonna have 60, or she's gonna have 60 years to, to work with the farmer, go into the field, slave under the hot sun, uh, have calves, provide milk, and basically provide for the farmer's family. And the, the cow's like, 60 years is a long time to be suffering under the sun and, and all that kind of effort. How about I do what the other two did? And like, I'll do that for 20 years, but can I give you the, the other 40 back and God's very gracious he's like sure I'll take the other 40 then the next day he creates man and he says to man you're going to have 20 years to eat sleep and play and man's like uh that doesn't sound like enough time how about we make a deal and I take the 10 years that the dog gave back to you the 10 years that the monkey gave back to you and the 40 years that the cow gave back to you and the Lord is like no problem and that is why for the first 20 years of life, man eats and sleeps and plays. And then for the next 40, he slaves away trying to provide for his family. And then for the next, he has grandkids and performs tricks and entertains the grandkids. And then for the last 10 years of his life, he sits around barking at everybody. So you've just had life explained to you. Just to be clear, that's not in the Bible, okay? In case you're really worried. Rather, what we do find in the Bible, we, we took a look at a bunch of scriptures last week. I'll just recap a few of them. We're not gonna unpack them in a great deal more detail, but actually in part of the creation account, Genesis chapter two, verse two to three, it talks about how God created the world in six days and on the seventh day, he rested. Ancient rabbis actually believe that on the seventh day, he created rest. And then we see that story actually go on throughout scripture where we, we also took a look at how in Exodus chapter 16, verse 29, it refers to the Sabbath as the Lord's gift to you. In that passage, we see that God saying, I will provide enough for you on the sixth day so that you can rest on the seventh. And I try to make the point that I actually do believe that God can help us achieve in six days what we think will take us seven. And so it is actually an issue of faith for us to stop and rest and delight and worship. And again, I, I just have to keep emphasizing that, that I believe that the idea, the principle, the practice of Sabbath is where God is not wanting something from us, He's actually wanting something for us. He's actually wanting to give this to us and I believe that this is regardless of your stage of life. And I'm in the minority by the way, just so you know. So you may disagree and that's okay. Um, but I, but I honestly believe that whether you're a student, whether 
you're trying to provide for your family, whatever the case is, and not, not from a legalistic point of view, from a point of view of an invitation to actually trust God for the wisdom, the diligence, the discipline, because it does take discipline. A Sabbath won't just happen. It takes discipline the other six days of the week in order to delight in the gift of Sabbath on the, sixth, on the seventh day of the week. And so I really do believe that even for students, it is possible to, to actually order your life in such a way that you can take a day off and that day off not be to, to earn what you have to earn to remain a student. Mathematically, that might not make sense. I'm just wondering if it's possible that God can provide for us the other six so that we can actually take off a seventh day. In Deuteronomy 5.15, we took a look at how God through Moses encouraged the Israelites to remember that they were once slaves, but they are no longer slaves. And that's why he actually commanded them to rest. Now, again, there's a debate over whether this is still a command or not. The majority view is that it's not a command. The minority view is that it is still a command. And again, even if, even if it is, what a generous God to command rest. Like, like, why would we even want to argue over whether or not we have to be blessed and rest and delight and stop being a slave? Like, like I'm like, we can argue over it, but I feel like that's a, a, a bit of a pointless, you know, like, it doesn't, I'm not commanded to eat. Clearly, I eat, right? I'm not commanded to brush my teeth or to exercise, but my relationship with my wife's a little bit better when I brush my teeth. And I cope with stress and other things a little bit better when I'm excited. Like, guys, what if it's just simply an, in, an invitation? No guilt, no shame if you don't wanna do it. But, but what if God's saying your life will be better if you do? What if it is a reminder that you are not a slave, that you are a son? What if it's a reminder that God is not Pharaoh, he's your father? I believe that it is a gift and that God actually wants us to remember that we are not slaves. A.J. Swoboda, an author and pastor, wrote in his book, which I forget the title of right now. Yes, still forgetting. That the result of our Sabbath amnesia is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and this part should scare us, spiritually malnourished people in history. Subversive Sabbath, thanks you. That's the name of his book. We have perhaps become the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and spiritually malnourished people in history. And then the part that, that I really don't want us to miss, we'll remind you of this passage, I think, every week. This is where Jesus is addressing the issue in, and it's recorded in the book of Mark, chapter two, verse 27, where he says to them that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, it's not one more thing to, to, it's not one more box to tick to prove yourself. It's not one more way for you to feel guilty or ashamed. It, it's actually created for people. It is there to bless us, to refresh us, to remind us. I, I honestly do believe that relationships can be different I believe that our creativity and our ingenuity and how we turn up the other six days of the week will be different 
I believe that families can be healthier. I believe that our budgets can be healthier. I believe that our, that our physical strength can be better. Sabbath is for man, not man for Sabbath. Why wouldn't we want to respond to this? So I believe that we are invited. That's, that's the title of today's message, just simply invited. I believe that God invites us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship because we find life in all of those things. We find life in worshiping God. We find life in delighting and doing things that are life-giving. I think that should be the definition of delighting. Well, what is life-giving? We find life in resting. We find life in stopping. So I wanna take a look at those four invitations very quickly. The first one is simply the word stop. It is probably the most literal translation of the word Sabbath. It is to stop. So, so if you're gonna Sabbath, then stop. Stop working, stop worrying, stop wanting. And that includes unpaid work as much as possible. Now again, I'm gonna keep reminding us that this isn't a legalistic thing, this is an invitation. So, so like, if you have, you know, if you forgot something and you have to go to the shop to, you know, buy some bread, that's, we're not legalistic. We're saying, we're saying that as much as possible, we wanna try and avoid doing anything that we have to do. And again, it takes preparation, and that's why this is a journey, okay? So please don't be discouraged if you try and Sabbath three or four weeks, and you're like, this is driving me crazy. I feel worse than I did before. Screw Sabbath, I'm just going to do my, guys, no, please, persevere, okay? Persevere, I've been trying to experiment and implement the principles for our lives and for different seasons in our lives, maybe for like a little bit more than 18 months. And I'm telling you that it's, I don't have a down pat. Yesterday, I did some stuff that I'm like, okay, I actually don't wanna do that again on a Sabbath because that's not actually life-giving. It's vegetative, sure, but it's not life-giving. I wasn't a better husband at the end. I wasn't more loving. I was actually a little bit more, more irritable because I just vegged out for a few hours just watching series and a movie that in the end, I'm like, that was rubbish. You ever, you ever get stuck watching a movie where you're like, where you're like, you know, this isn't good, but you're sure it's gonna get better and like you wait for the end as though it's gonna, and in the end, I'm like, it was still rubbish. How did I just waste an hour and a half watching this? Anyway, and again, that's not, it's not a legalistic thing of you can or can't watch that. It's just, just keep asking yourself the question. Is this reviving my soul? Am I more loving? Am I more kind? Am I more present? Am I, the, am I the better version of myself by the end of this day? So I'm telling you guys that I'm, that I'm experimenting with stuff. The week before, I, in, in inverted commas, I had to do a wedding because I had committed to it. It's a family member, and, and, it, and it was a hectic week the week before, so I'm like, ugh, like I'm not gonna get to Sabbath this week. And then I actually felt like God rebuked me. I was, I was actually busy finishing up some work here on the Friday night at nine o'clock, and I'm like, God, I'm preaching on Sabbath the next Sunday. I'm failing miserably. And then I honestly felt like God gently challenged or rebuked me in the sense of I can actually do the wedding because I knew it was gonna take eight or nine hours out of my day because it was a four and a half hour round trip or five hour round trip to where the wedding was. And I felt like God said, like, actually, you can, you can take the spirit of Sabbath into this day. And I've got to tell you, I had a great day. It was actually very refreshing because I shifted my mindset. So, so in that sense, now that's unusual where, where I kind of have to do something, but I think that we are able to do it in a way that is still life-giving. So we need to stop working, worrying, and wanting. The Chinese 
pictograph for the word busy actually has two characters referring to heart and to killing. So if we are only ever relentlessly busy, I think that that's a pretty accurate picture of how we are killing our hearts. So many of us would typically answer, like if someone says, hey, how you doing? Yeah, very good, yeah, good, cool, you know, okay, just busy. Imagine if we would actually change that to, yeah, okay, cool, you know, just killing my heart. <laughs> that is why Sabbath is different to a day off. A day off, the, and the first time I heard someone say that, I was like, uh, like semantics? But, but the, the more I came to understand that, that what writers were referring to when they said, this is, this is years ago, just so you know, I've been reading about Sabbath for years. It took me years before I started actually trying to do it. So that's why we're gonna keep encouraging you towards actually practicing, like experiment. Don't, don't form an opinion without actually doing something. I read about Sabbath for years. I never, just so you know, I've never ever heard a sermon I've never sat down in a church service listening to a sermon on Sabbath, ever. But I have read quite a bit about it, and I liked it. It even sounded attractive. I even got to a point where I agreed with it. I just didn't do anything about it. And so when I heard them referring to these things about like a day off, because all pastors try and take like a day off, I realized that the day off was, and I agreed with them, often the worst day of my week, because I'm the most exhausted, you're, you're, you're either just trying to, to escape or medicate or you're trying to do all the unpaid work that you haven't had time to get done. John Markoma says that a day off is when undisciplined people, undisciplined and unsabbathed people catch up on all the stuff they still have to do at the end of the week. That's a day off. Now, I think that most of us need a day off and if we can't have a day off, and that's why I think it's actually good that a lot of people, I know it's not everybody, and you might argue that it's a privilege. I, I'd say it is. But that's why I think it's so good if people can have a two-day weekend where one of those days is actually a day to do all the unpaid work and it's, and it's the day of preparation. Not many of us would stumble into Christmas without somehow preparing in some way, right? Like, like you wanna make it a nice day. It takes a bit of effort in order to enjoy the day. And similarly, Sabbath takes effort. And so that's why it helps. It does help if there's a day of preparation, or, or if you can't, if you're working six days a week, then, then I would encourage you to do everything you can to order the rest of your week, maybe the evenings or whatever the case is, to, to try and get stuff done that, that you really can just rest on the Sabbath. So we stop working, we stop worrying. I heard recently that, that the same chemicals, the same stress chemicals are released in our bodies if we're just thinking about a problem at work as if we were at work with that boss or colleague dealing with that tension. So just to even sit around the house thinking about it is almost as detrimental to our body. So, so we try and stop worrying. Now that doesn't mean that you don't ever have to address something on a Sabbath. A couple of weeks ago, Sue and I actually had to, had to deal with, with, quite a, with quite a weighty, serious family matter, but I felt like, okay, this isn't, ideal, but I felt like we had the space to actually deal with it in a life-giving way. But there's a difference between feeling something, processing something, even grieving, and actually worrying. Worrying is taking energy from what might happen in the future, and I'm wrecking my day today. 
Worrying is where, is where I think that somehow, subconsciously, I'm gonna actually be able to make a difference by, by feeling all stressed out and anxious about it today. So, so I would say, as a principle, try and avoid getting into negative conversations on Sabbath. As a pr- like, if it's stuff that you can deal with tomorrow, hey, can we have this conversation tomorrow? Or hey, can we, can, can we, can we deal with, like, probably don't read the news on your Sabbath, okay? You probably don't wanna be scrolling through social, like, let's just try and avoid negative stuff. So, we stop working, worrying and wanting. We actually try not to feed that consumer mindset on the Sabbath. We actually, we actually over time, and again, this could take a long time, start to trust God that, that I can be content without another thing to stimulate me or make me feel better about myself. I can actually just rest in God and, and those around me. I do wanna encourage you not to wait for perfect circumstances before you stop. Don't wait until all your work is done. And I know what that means for some personalities. Don't wait until you have everything figured out. I'm not sure that we're ever able to get everything done. I'm not sure that you'll ever zero your inbox. If you, if you have my personality, I'm not sure that you'll ever feel like you've done enough or that, or that, or that, that product is perfect enough to, to stop. Somewhere along the line, it actually takes trust. God, I'm actually gonna trust you with it. And I think that's, I think that's why I, God needed me to get to a point of desperation where 18 months ago, nearly two years ago, I, I, I could feel that my soul was just getting tired and dry again. And, and I, I had master's deadlines and work deadlines and family stuff. And I just, I felt like God saying to me, Jason, you can, you can put that time and effort in today or you can actually trust me to help you achieve next week what you think can only be achieved if you work another day. And, and I, was, I was quite desperate and, I, felt, and I've, I just felt prompted to actually get out to Newlands Forest, go for a walk and all the rest. By the end of the day, I felt like I'd been on a three-week holiday. I can't explain it to you. And God helped me to do in the next couple of days what needed to be done in terms of deadlines and all the rest. I've had to start trusting God with my sermon on Sundays, which you have to understand, for me to take a Saturday to Sabbath and not to touch it, you just have to understand from my personality that that is incredibly hard. But I feel like I'm turning up on a Sunday in a much healthier space than what I did for the first 23 years of ministry. And so I'm just saying that for me at least, for my personality, it's become a trust issue. It's become a faith issue. It's become a humility issue because it actually, it's actually prideful and arrogant of me to think that it can only be done in my own strength. And I've had to start trusting God with my loaves and fish. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can. I'm gonna be diligent, but I need you to bless it and multiply it. And I honestly feel like in every single area, the more that I trust him and the more I try and be diligent with the other six, God is providing more and more life. Psalm 127, verse one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will be no good. And verse two says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. I do work from early morning, but I've come to realize I can't work from early morning to late at night every day and it not have a toll on my soul. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Guys, that's good news. 
everybody, just so you know, right? That is good news. So we're invited to stop. Secondly, we are invited to rest. And this might sound quite challenging, but I've come to believe that sometimes we're too lazy to rest. It actually takes effort to order our lives so that we can rest. And especially if I'm looking at doing anything that's replenishing, it can take a lot of effort sometimes. So that's why I say like yesterday, I spent a few hours resting, but only in a vegetative way. I didn't shift gears to where I'm actually starting to replenish. That would have taken some effort and I was a little bit tired, which is why Walter Brueggemann says that when we start Sabbathing, that one day starts to change the way we live the other six days because you actually don't want to arrive at the Sabbath a train wreck, an exhausted mess of ugliness and anxiety and just scraping you know, the dregs from the, battle, uh, from the bottom of the barrel. It takes discipline to rest. I honestly don't know who said this, but I remember hearing that if you don't take time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. I've heard others say that cancer becomes a Sabbath for some people illness, hospitalization. And I'm not gonna get you to put your hands up, but I've heard a few people comment on how, in fact, even recently, someone was saying, like another pastor was like, he's already had COVID. He's like, give me COVID again. I just want two weeks off. I've been there at times in my life where I'm like, I don't wanna like be suffering, but can't I, can't I have a, something happen that I, can, that I can be excused for doing nothing for like a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever the case is, because I'm exhausted. So, in order to rest, try and avoid. This isn't always possible, and again, it depends on your season of life. Parents of young kids, you have to address this differently, and that's why next week, by the way, we're gonna, we're gonna get people from different stages of life just to give a few examples of what they're experimenting with Sabbath looks like. But as far as possible, as far as possible, try and avoid having to do anything. That's all, just, just, just try, and, in order to rest, try and avoid having to do anything. So try, that's why I say try and do all the unpaid work on a different day so that that day is like, hey, like, like what's gonna bring joy? What's gonna bring life? Which brings us to, oh, by the way, just, just very quickly, there are many different ways to rest. There's a great book by Dr. Saundra Smith called Sacred Rest on the version notes. We've got a little link there where you can actually take a test. There's also a devotional from her. You can read her book, but she breaks up rest into eight characters, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, sensory, and creative. And, and she talks about what rest looks like in these different contexts. So some of us sometimes think that we're resting, um, but then we don't feel rested afterwards because maybe I've rested my body, but I haven't rested my mind. Or maybe I've rested my mind, but I haven't actually replenished my emotions. Or maybe, or maybe I've had a quiet time, but I haven't actually connected with God and managed to find some peace and perspective spiritually. Anyway, number three, we are invited to delight. What kind of God invites us to delight, to stop, to rest, and to delight? Well, I like the word refresh or replenish or recover or anything that starts off with R-E because it goes with rest, you know? I think for some people, this could be the toughest part. Because I think for many of us, certainly for, for myself, it's hard to know what you actually enjoy without feeling selfish. But to actually give time and attention to what 
and experiment and be okay with failing. We start where we are, not where we want to be, and we want to make progress. We're not pursuing perfection. So just let's just keep progressing. So let's, let's try stuff. Let's experiment. Let's be okay with having a completely failed Sabbath. But let's keep experimenting with what actually brings joy and gratitude and wonder and happiness. Like, like appropriately, you're allowed to feast. Feast your senses. What do you, what do you enjoy seeing or doing? Or be, that's not unhealthy for you. So I'm, we're not talking about binge drinking, but like you're allowed to maybe eat a little bit more. Remember, you've heard me say, I think it was Mark Buchanan in his book, The Rest of God, that says that if every day is a, a feast day, then no day is a feast day. Then it's just gluttony. But, but it's okay to actually have a day where, you know, you kind of eat what you want to. Um, and again, this depends on your personality. Like yesterday, clearly I was tired because I even downloaded a game on my phone for the first time. I don't know. I don't know. 15 years? 10, it was a Formula One game. I went, I'd heard someone else talk about it. I was reminded that I have a slightly obsessive compulsive personality. And next thing I know, like boom, like an hour or two's gone and I'm feeling irritated because I'm not beating these other people that I'm trying to race against. So for me, I, okay, gaming is not going to replenish my soul. Maybe it does for you. I don't know. And that's, and that's by the way, that is the damage that the religious leaders did after the law of God. They took what was a healthy practice for them and they made it law for others. I'm not telling you what will and will not refresh you. I have been discovering what does and does not refresh me. So if playing games does that for you, if you feel like your soul is alive and you're refreshed, great. But if not, then maybe don't do that on that day. Maybe do that, you know, the rest of the week, perhaps, I don't know. It's just anything that's life-giving. I do wanna emphasize this part though. Please don't miss this. Your personality really does play a role. And depending on your stage of life, if you're married, if you have kids, if, if, or if you're living with roommates, you, you, you may need to compromise and experiment with stuff. But a Sabbath for someone who is extremely introverted is gonna look very different to a Sabbath for someone who is extremely extroverted. And, and I'm just encouraging you to, to just experiment with that. And that's why we're not gonna put law onto you. I wanna keep inviting you to experiment and give each other grace. Like Sue and I were talking again yesterday about, about things that, that work for her and what works for me and what works for our family. It is a process. It's a process. It, it really does look different for different personalities and different seasons of life. So be patient with that. But but I wanna remind you of a quote I mentioned last week from Dallas Willard when it comes to this idea of stopping, resting, and delighting. He said that we must arrange our lives so that sin no longer looks good to us. I think that over time, that's how we're gonna know if we are Sabbathing correctly. And by the way, that's why the, the subheading for this series is the rhythm of rest and responsibility, Tyrone. It is, it is committing to a lifestyle, to a rhythm, because, because it might start with a day, but eventually we start living our days differently. And so let's, I think that's one of the ways that we know that we're starting to make progress is when, is when temptation becomes a little less attractive. We're, we're harder to tempt. I'm not as irritable, I'm not as impatient. Lastly, worship. We're invited to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And I, I just, I've used this before, but I love the way that Ruth Haley Barton in her, in her book Sacred Rhythms refers to 
the shift that takes place in her life on a Sabbath. She says, I know what it is like to have rest turn into delight and delight turn into gratitude and gratitude into worship. I think perhaps the ultimate way <laughs> that we know that we are getting the hang of Sabbath is that we start appreciating God more. We start experiencing more gratitude. We start becoming more present and alert and aware of, of His blessings in our lives, of His kindness in our lives. And it actually starts to turn into worship. We remember, we rejoice, we express gratitude. That's why for most people, a Sunday is, is Sabbath in a Western context and it works well because like is the case for you today, you start off with worship. Although I would argue that if we follow kind of a slightly more traditional approach, actually you start Sabbath the night before where, you, where, you've, where you've actually already stopped, you've already rested a bit and in the morning you're actually ready to delight and worship. Imagine getting into a routine and a habit where actually on a Sunday morning you wake up and because you're already somewhat rested, you're like, God, I can't wait to just, just be with your family and, and love on you and tell you how good you are and listen to anything that you might want to you know, point out to me. And afterwards, we're gonna go and maybe have a picnic or brunch or lunch or whatever the case is and have a schluff. Don't forget the schluff if you want to. I don't enjoy napping, but you might enjoy, you know, I feel worse afterwards, but, 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 but you might enjoy a schluff. If the kids can stay alive, just remember, right? Don't blame me. But stopping can lead to resting, can lead to delighting, can lead to one of the primary goals of our relationship with God, which is just to love Him back. Imagine if we can get into a rhythm where we slow down enough to look at God looking at us with love. And we can't help but respond to that. Sharice, you can come on up. I wanna encourage you just for a moment to imagine. Don't, don't imagine perfection. <laughs> don't, don't put some kind of unhealthy pressure on yourself, but just for a moment, imagine what it might look like to actually get to a place where, where, our, where our lives are ordered enough, not perfectly, but, but a little bit more consistently than before, where, where our weeks are ordered enough that we're not smashed to pieces when it actually comes to our weekend and where we're able to actually make good choices and not just react to our exhaustion. Where we're actually able to, to maybe, again, for most people, maybe go into a Saturday evening. The traditional Hebrew uh, approach is 20 minutes before the sun sets. Imagine, imagine if, if you get everyone together that you're doing life with. Imagine if someone actually, like it reminds everyone just to, okay, let's take a breath, everybody. Let's just slow down. And we're gonna thank God for the week that's been, in some cases for the life that's been. And I love this idea. One of the practices that is recommended for Sabbath is that you actually pray a blessing over the people around the table. Imagine start, so again, not, not like waking up smashed on a Sunday. No, no, imagine, imagine actually going into it the night before and where you actually pray a blessing. God's life, God's purposes, what if God even wants to give you a prophetic word? I think that Pentecostals have made prophecy so weird over the years. It's like you just become numb to it. But how much does God want to speak through you to the people around you? That's all that a prophetic word. It's just, it's just 
It's a sense from God. It's a word from God. Imagine you actually speak life into those around you. You enjoy a meal together without worrying about the calories or the portion sizes, if possible. And where you, where you connect, you're seeing each other face to face, eye to eye. And maybe over time, again, this might take a while, but you actually start connecting heart to heart. You talk about your week. What was a highlight? Imagine you go to bed, not when you can't keep your eyes open anymore, like three o'clock in the morning after watching, scrolling or playing, but you actually maybe get to bed like at a decent time. Can you imagine waking up refreshed on a Sunday morning? I just want to tell you, miracles do happen. It's possible. It's possible that you could actually wake up like, huh, I feel okay. We're not, we're not waking up having to like push through exhaustion or condemnation or regret from the night before or the week that's passed. You're not having to, your body isn't having to process toxins from weeks and months of abuse. It was just a little bit of abuse yesterday, but like your body can process it. Imagine not rushing to get to church. Imagine coming in ready, like ready, like, like come on, man, I can't wait for the, come on, we're gonna worship God today. God, if there's anything that you wanna reveal to me, I wanna, I wanna receive it, but I don't, I'm not yet to have to get anything. God, I wanna give something back to you together. This is gonna be a taste of heaven where one day we're gonna be worshiping with all the angels, but for today, it's with a hundred other people because it's freaking COVID and we have restrictions, but it's okay. We're gonna love on you today. Imagine having a heart and a mind that is present and you're not distracted. And afterwards, you've got a plan where, where you're doing whatever your budget allows, whether you just making a, a sandwich to go and have a picnic at the beach or go for a walk in the park or the forest or you just, or you're just gonna go and lum together at home and just schluff, rest or go and do something that, that brings delight where by the end of the day, you, you put your head down on a Sunday night and you're like, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your gift of rest. Thank you for the gift of identity and security and peace and purpose. Thank you that I'm not a slave. Thank you that I'm not a machine. Thank you that you love me. Sabbath is a gift. It was created and given to man. Why wouldn't I wanna respond? to an invitation to stop, to rest, and to delight, and ultimately to worship, and where a day becomes a lifestyle, and where all of a sudden, I'm far more present at work, I'm far more sensitive at school, I'm a little bit more patient with the people around me, I'm a little bit more generous, I'm a little bit more kind, I'm a little bit more self-controlled, Guys, there's a way to follow Jesus that leads to life. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us not to only be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Help us, Lord, to see opportunities to respond to your invitation, that we would experiment. God, that if possible, we'd start today if we haven't started already. And help us to give up on perfection. Help us to be okay with making progress one week at a time one day at a time, trusting you that you won't be mocked, that we will reap what we sow. And Father, for people that are here today or watching online that do not have a relationship with you, 
But Lord, where they're, where they're sensing your presence, your kindness, you knocking on the door of their hearts, inviting them to follow you. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd give them a revelation that Jesus died for our sins, that we are completely forgiven. Forgiven. It's free. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. We cannot add anything. We cannot earn it. We are forgiven if we will, rec- if we will receive that. And God, would you help people that are in that place to make a decision to receive that forgiveness and to commit to following you. That we would follow you one day at a time, that we would be okay with it being a journey, that we wouldn't wait until we know everything or tick all the boxes, but that, but that we would be determined to start today, to start following you. And God, I thank you that as people make that decision and as they will trust you and persevere, that they will experience your life, your wisdom, and your leading. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.